Welcome to the Classical Happy Hour. I'm your host, Martin Davids. This is the show where my guests and I talk about music while enjoying a tasty beverage. Then we try to play some music together. Today's guest is Ruth Lenz. Hi, Ruth. Hello. It's so great to see you. Um, so for my listeners that don't know you, uh, can you tell me what you're doing for work these days? Um, I'm the concertmaster of the Reno Philharmonic and the Reno Chamber Orchestra in Nevada. And I also have a private studio. Cool. So did you get those jobs at the same time or are they like no. connected in any way? They're not connected officially. Um, a lot of the personnel is the same because Reno is kind of, it's a little isolated by mountains and everything. And so um, we have a certain pool of musicians. Um, I got the Philharmonic job first and the chamber orchestra position opened a little later. So how long have you been the concertmaster at Reno Phil? 13 years now. It was my 10 year anniversary um, when the lockdown happened, the shutdown happened. They were gonna, it was, they were, we were gonna celebrate my 10 years and that concert was the first one that got canceled. Oh no. <laughs> so, so that's how I remember, yeah, 13 years now. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool, so um, tell me a little bit about like where you went to school and stuff. Um, I, I did my undergrad here, I grew up in Reno born and raised. My, my dad was on the faculty at the university, so I just stayed there for undergrad. Um, there was a great violin teacher there. And then I went to University of Illinois at Champaign-Urbana to get my doctorate. Cool. Kind of near you. Yeah, I know. Lots of people that got doctorates at yeah. Shambana. <laughs> Shambana. <laughs> awesome. Um, so your dad, was on, is he still teaching there? No. He retired... Um, also maybe 13 years ago, 13 or 14 years ago. And he was at the music school? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. What was he teaching? He taught French horn and cello. Whoa, what yeah. a combo. And he's, he's good at both of them. Kind of strange, but he <laughs> can play them both really well. He, he phrases on French horn like a cellist, and um, he's a good player. I mean, I know the French horn players I know act like it's the hardest thing in the world. <laughs> so... If you could also play the cello, that's just got to shame those people a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. My daughter's playing French horn now, too. That's cool. Yeah. So, is your whole, whole family musicians? A lot of musicians. Um, my grandparents had seven kids, and they all ended up playing instruments pretty well and marrying people that played instruments, and then some of them had offspring like me that play instruments, so... Um, yeah. Did they make you play an instrument? No. I've had to I've had to ask myself that in earnest. Like, did I really pick this because um but when I was 2 they couldn't keep me away from the piano or my mom's violin, so they gave me one. And um they did have to force me to continue when I was in middle school age for about 2 years. Not force force, but they had to motivate me because I didn't want to do it then, but um, like financially motivate um, I was really into horses, and I had horses, and they said, well, um, you need to feed, you need to practice violin before you feed the horses, and so no starving horses for me. Yeah, you don't want your horse to <laughs> die. No, that was, so it was motivating, because I was so passionate about riding the horses then that I, I did the um, obstacle of practicing to get there. 
That was smart of them. Yeah. So are you still riding horses? Um, not as much. My my own last horse passed away 10 years ago, but my parents still have horses. I got my mom addicted to horses, so <laughs> I can ride theirs. Yeah. That's awesome. So I guess you're not like living in an urban condo? No. Um, I did have a horse property and now I moved I moved into the suburbs kind of. I'm I'm close into town but I have a yard and a dog and all that stuff. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, you don't wanna be commuting too far for both those jobs all the time. No. Awesome. Um so you got out of Shambana and then you you came home or were mm-hmm. you you came like right away yeah um I came back even before I finished my dissertation because I was married at the time and um he got a job here so we came back so he could start his job here and then I was finishing my dissertation and I started my studio um first and then the concertmaster spot opened up yeah and you won it yeah that's great it was it was a little scary because I really wanted it you know I've I've actually wanted that job probably my whole life <laughs> from a little kid and it opened up and they did a um a search for the for the reno philharmonic you know people flew in for it so it was intense i practiced a lot i bet <laughs> yeah auditions are hard yeah yeah I, I never feel as my my bow feels like a baseball bat at auditions not when i'm playing a recital or a, but it, at auditions it just feels like this foreign object in my hand well, at least a baseball bat doesn't shake, right? <laughs> it <laughs> smashes things. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, so you you moved here because your husband and then stayed because you got a, you also got a job, right? Yeah, and then my, my family's here, so I, I really have deep roots in this community. Yeah, if you're going to have a family of your own, it's great to have other relatives around, right? It sure is. Yeah, it really is. And I have siblings who all have kids around the same age as my kids. So there's um, nine grandchildren all in the same age group. So how many of them are musicians? Oh, that's a good question. One of them is too young, but I think all of the others dabble in some instrument. Or some more seriously, some less seriously. There's some cellists, and my daughter, the French horn. My son just started guitar. He's obsessed, so he plays piano also. He's not obsessed with piano, but he he tolerates it. He likes his teacher. My son is definitely not obsessed with piano, but <laughs> tolerates it kind of. It's it's <laughs> fundamental. I mean, it's good to have that those keyboard skills. Yeah. Anybody yeah. singing? My daughter. Um, sings. They were, actually, my son and daughter were just in a um, in Rock of Ages, the Queen musical. Um, or wait, no, that's just like a it's the, more of a hairband thing. Yeah, it's a hairband thing, and they did the you know the edition for children. It's been gentled down a little bit, but it the was censored really fun. version. Yeah, the censored <laughs> version. <laughs> wow, cool. Yeah. So do they have long hair. Um, my son was actually asked to cut his hair a couple weeks ago by the school, but. Um, we kind of waited because of the play. Yeah. Um, I mean, looked, none of those people good. had short hair, right? No, and his is kind of like floppy um, right now. It's not like hairband, but it's it's longer than it would be. It's more Justin Bieber than yeah. Motley Crue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
cool. So when you were studying, uh, what kind of music were you most into? Was it like orchestral music or, or something else? I think, oh, I love all music, but I, I think my biggest music love is chamber music. And part of that goes back to my childhood of being kind of stuck in a room while my dad was rehearsing chamber music. He, he played at the Telluride Chamber Music Festival and all these cool places. They would rehearse in all these really beautiful spots, mountains around and kind of ghost town buildings and good musicians. So I always overheard Brahms sextets and everything. But whenever I hear it, not only do I hear the music, but I hear people that I have a lot of affection for and um, surroundings that are just really special. So um, I think, yeah, chamber music is my favorite, but I love orchestral also. I'm, as I'm aging, tears come to my eyes a lot more frequently when I'm performing at the end of the pieces. And it's, sometimes it's embarrassing, but sometimes it's just, you know, it's okay. Like in a Mahler symphony or something? Yeah, and part of it's because my arm hurts, right? At the end of Mahler <laughs> 2 or something, it's just like, how much tremolo can you play? But part of it is just that it's, it's really moving. That's awesome. <laughs> Madame Butterfly, one time the conductor, I was crying so much, the conductor kind of leaned over and he goes, it's okay, sweetie, it is really sad. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> get a hold of yourself. Yeah, I have a friend that... Uh, went on tour with the St. Matthew Passion and just like completely lost it like every night. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it gets, you don't get desensitized to it. You get more sensitized to it. You hear more and more things and feel it more deeply every time, maybe. It's like the opposite of being jaded. There you go. Yeah, because yeah. nobody wants to see jaded people playing. You no, know? and no one wants to be jaded either. That's not fun. I never thought about that. Yeah. That the people that are jaded don't want to be. Because they yeah. seem to not really look for an alternative. <laughs> yeah, it's comfortable. I think it might be comfortable, but um, yeah. I think I became a musician because I like to feel things mm -hmm. and express things and connect. And if that went away, it'd just be kind of sad. Yeah. Maybe that would make me cry more. <laughs> <laughs> are you naturally an introvert in other areas of your life, or you 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 don't seem like too shy or anything? I'm definitely not shy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I've I've been known to say that my comfort zone is planet Earth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I envy you. <laughs> um, I am shy and introverted in a lot of ways, kind of, um, you know, held back. But my one place where I really allow myself to be fully honest with how I'm feeling is when I'm playing. And, or at least that was the first place I allowed myself. Maybe as I, you know, as I got older, I got a little more open in other ways. But I was really reserved and quiet when I was a kid. And then when I play, I would just like go for it, you know, and everyone's like, wow, there's a lot in there. But you would never know otherwise because I just kind of held back. So that was my maybe my first place where I expressed myself fully. That's great. You found found yourself through music. Found a voice. Yeah. yeah. I had to find it there instead of literally my voice for a while. So what instruments do you play? Um, I did play piano. I started that when I was two also. And I kind of traded off which one I was more excited about. Sometimes I could You started the violin at two? Yeah. Like a, well, a wood one? 
Yeah. Oh, oh and I smashed it. Did you? So like two-year-olds. My hero. I have to. <laughs> um, I have to forgive myself because two-year-olds don't have impulse control. No. <laughs> so I remember my parents gave me the violin, and it was they explained how fragile it was, <laughs> and how I had to be so careful and always set it in the case, or you know they they really told me this is very valuable and breakable, and so. Um, then they set it literally right after they set it on the floor and we were sitting around it and my mom was going to show me some things and my little two-year-old brain said I wonder what it would sound like if I stepped on it and I did (laughs) (laughs) so I remember the whole thing and then I remember their faces and I remember this just intense remorse they didn't say a word my dad picked it up and went down in the basement he had a shop down there where he um they actually rehaired bows and repaired instruments anyway. So he glued it back together and then not a word was said. What did it sound like? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Have you seen that video where the poor person is playing Tchaikovsky concerto and the conductor knocks it out of their hand? No. Um, No, the conductor does this big gesture and literally knocks the violin right out of the solo's hand and it goes, he tries to catch it and it goes flying and lands. And it sounded like that, just wood crunching. Um, and then a little child crying. <laughs> oh. Have you ever seen that? I don't know what it's, what genre it is, but The Mad King? It's some kind of like weird musical piece where at some point they smash a violin. Mm-hmm. Like the, the singer grabs somebody's violin and smashes it. So I think they always like have a crappy one there yeah. and make sure they switch it out in time. Yeah, it's so scary though. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. I don't, I don't want to hear that again. That sound, you know, it's not. There's been times when people drop them in rehearsal or something, and everything goes quiet, and you turn around, and it's always a bad sound. But yeah. when I started, when I was two, because my mom was a violinist, she kind of did ambush teaching with me. Like, she would notice that I might be receptive to learning something, and she'd sit down with me for ninety seconds and show me something, and then leave and do that maybe five times in the day. Um, A lot of kids don't have that, you know, just a hovering violin teacher waiting to swoop in and show them, you know, how to hold their left hand or something. Also, the attention span is so brief, right? Yeah, yeah, because I've tried to teach some younger kids and, you know, they only have 15 minute lessons, but even most of that, you're teaching the mom how to do that swooping in and teaching thing, but it's tricky. Yeah, I had a <clears throat> kid that asked for a violin, I think at maybe three, because we mm-hmm. used to always go to the violin shop, and they had an M&M dispenser, if you <laughs> put a quarter in, you know, mm-hmm. so one day, I was like, they were like, can I have a violin? I was like, sure, <laughs> but we didn't get lessons until four, I think, Yeah. and I was not going to teach. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I remember really not wanting to be touched. Like uh, the teacher would try to put place me in the right position, but I would I would brush them off and I know how to do it. You know, I, I didn't want to Yeah, I was I had a lot of maturing to do. Well, everybody does. Yeah, still do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> I used to I had a Suzuki teacher and she was a nun and uh she had a bag of candy <laughs> and you'd get a piece at the end of the lesson mm-hmm. and I remember 
thinking the lesson was over and running over to the candy bag and it was only like five minutes in being so sad oh. <laughs> I have students that look at the clock and they're it's really nice when they look at the clock and it's later than they think it was they're like really it's almost over that makes me happy but better than the teacher the looking at the clock oh I, look, yeah. <laughs> I have a really good internal clock now for lesson spans I can almost I can almost feel it down to the you know two or three minutes you should because like you know these tempos of all these pieces right you should know yeah. how time passes <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um if you didn't do music what would you want to do when I was in high school, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Um, and I actually was able to get an internship at a large animal veterinarian my senior year. The whole year I spent, I would go there after high school. Um, well, I had an off-campus the last period, so I'd drive out to the large animal vet and do their rounds with them. Um, and I found that, unlike human medicine, animal vets have to be every specialist. They you know, they have to be surgeons and they have to be reproductive doctors. They have to do all of that stuff. And it's really stressful. And it's also really heartbreaking at times. There's, um, you know, it's, it's, there was a lot more heartbreak than I expected, even though I, you know, expected some. There's not yeah. a lot of preventative veterinary care. You know, they always come in when something bad happens. Yeah, and there's also um, always the option of euthanasia when it's not really necessary. And like with humans, you know, you, you're not going to euthanize someone because you don't have the medical, the money for the medical bills. And, um, yeah, I I decided not to do that. Um, during the pandemic, I thought about um, I thought I would enjoy maybe being a counselor, you know, if I had to go back to school and change careers. But um, I really do love, not only do I love performing music and listening to it, but I love the teaching part. Um, in fact, I feel like that's almost the most important thing I'm doing as far as, not a lot of my students go on to be musicians, but I know I've helped them become better people, more you know, more per perseverance and all that stuff. So um, I'm glad I ended up where I am. Plus you got to have people to listen to classical music. Yes. they. I think they all become audience members in some way, you know, appreciative and knowledgeable. And, um, yeah, we need those. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, so what, what else do you love about being a musician? Um, my grandpa was a medical doctor. He was a surgeon. And so when I finished my doctorate, he told me he was proud of me and I said well it's I'm not a real doctor grandpa not that kind of doctor yeah I'm not that kind of doctor and he said oh you save more lives than I ever will or music will save more lives than I ever will and um I like how the arts and music they do save lives and it gives people meaning and um my grandpa the doctor would come home and put on his record of Heifetz playing Sibelius violin concerto almost every night and I remember him saying the you know the plains of Siberia or something when it would start you know he always had this visual of like snow going across Siberia but something about that helped him transition from the stress of his job to the other part of his life and I know he really needed that that transition so yeah there's that one I forget who it was but it's on the internet about uh it's some 
commencement speech by some guy and he's to a bunch of music students and he's saying you know on a Friday night uh, people will come into your concert and they'll need to feel better afterwards so mm-hmm. all the time you spend practicing it's like a doctor learning about medicine it's just as important you know because you're going to need all those skills to to help people yeah and it takes about as much practice to become a brain surgeon or to become a violinist a proficient violinist it's i think there's a study it's about the same but um that actually helps with my nerves a lot when i'm performing to just remember that i'm giving a gift to the audience um instead of being worried that they're going to hear me screw up you know it's, it's just it helps a lot to frame it that way so do you feel nervous before concerts only particular concerts now most of the time um no my nerves manifest as kind of this hyper critical awareness when i'm playing um the only time i feel nervous ahead of time is you know if it's a concerto or or something like a few years ago i played barber concerto and not only was i nervous about the solo but there was also a wildfire and the concert was outside and there was ash raining down and i just after all this work, I thought the concert might get canceled and stuff like that. Um, but for if we were playing Mahler one, I don't think I would be nervous. I would just be excited and um, yeah. So you're not worried of like the concert master thoughts, like you're in charge of all these people. Leave it to the conductor. <laughs> <laughs> um, well. Let's say that preparation plays into my nerves. If I'm prepared, I'm less nervous. And if I know the piece, then I, I feel better. If I'm underprepared or it's a new piece and I haven't had time to put into it, it's, it's more nerve-wracking. But um, I try to avoid that. <laughs> For sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I definitely feel different when I play a concert. Mm-hmm. It's not like a normal day. No. Or like a day off. No, when I was young, I used to, I'd have a concert at night and I'd still load my horse into a horse trailer and drive off into the mountains and go riding and, um, you know, make it back in time for the concert. But I had a couple of times where they get to get to the trailer at the end of the ride and the horse won't get in. And you're like, oh, come on, come on, buddy, please get in the trailer. I get a concert. <laughs> so I've gotten a lot more chicken about that kind of thing as I get older or as I get, I wasn't a concert master then. It wasn't as maybe noticeable if I was late but I never did miss a concert from that but it was a gamble for sure yeah there's so many things that can distract and weigh on you mm-hmm. I try to minimize them by I don't know some people I play with it seems like they never even have their music in a binder it's just like loose sheets flying around mm-hmm. and that's I just want to be relaxed about something <laughs> I know of a music guy falling apart. I know of a guy whose music blew off the stand. A draft came across the stage and he was walking around the stage looking for whatever page he needed to find and reading it off the floor in the yeah, yeah, that doesn't need to happen. Yeah, <laughs> what if you're anyway. what if they're in the wrong order? Yeah, they know? were. He was having a yeah. It was it was a funny memory and luckily it was a like a music school concert, not a you know. Yeah, I think I come across as like super chill, but I I try to have 
everything ready so that there's less to worry about, you know? Yeah. And like you said, preparation is such a big part of it. Yeah. Preparation is the biggest way to not feel nervous, right? Yeah. If you've done the preparation, there's less to worry about. Like if you, if it didn't go well at practicing, it's unlikely to go well in the concert. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Although it does seem like when the adrenaline kicks in, time slows down a little bit and you have more time to play all those really fast things. And sometimes um, if I'm low energy, the performance gives me that extra kick that gives me the energy to play my best compared to the rehearsals. Um, I don't know. There's been a few times where I was just tired from the other things of like parenting or whatever. And I noticed the concert just gave me, I felt energetic for the first time all week in the concert. And so there's nerves manifesting in a good way because it feels good to finally have some energy. (laughs) Yeah. No, I like the feeling of of feeling more alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it feeds off the audience. If the audience is alive, that helps a lot too. Yeah. Sometimes those Sunday afternoon ones, man. Yeah. Yeah. Or the pandemic ones where they're not even out there and there's just a camera. Oh, Oh, did you do some of those? Yeah. Yeah. That was hard because doing like a solo recital Mm -hmm. with no nothing coming back at all. You don't even know if they can hear it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's hard. Yeah. Well, the other thing is keep a steady diet of performing. You know, if you go for a long time and then and then do a concert, I feel like it's a little slightly more nerve wracking. Mm hmm. So definitely. You know, after the pandemic, I noticed not everyone had the same level of activity during that time. Mm-hmm. So I I tried to be extend grace to people, you know, because it was yeah. a hard time. Yeah. And give them a little time to, to come back to their full powers. <laughs> yeah, that was um, I had I had some fun during the pandemic. I um, I did some more piano practicing and I taught myself the Elgar violin concerto I just said I was going to finally learn it and so I was actually practicing as much as before but on just the one piece um it was fun but um did you get to play it no I haven't I haven't like performed it but it was fun to learn it maybe someday we can always hope right <laughs> it wasn't exactly the easiest one to perform it's long and crazy like a orchestra like a symphony but i like it i think you know like non-musicians don't know that you don't get to pick everything you play and there are like lots of things that people never get to play even though they would love to Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah i think about i know some people that are nearing the end of their career and they're Every time the orchestra announces their new season and they're like, oh, come on, I've played that already like 20 times. Why can't we do this one? <laughs> you know, um, I'm, I'm hoping for Mahler 9 here. I want to play Mahler 9. Um, and we get other Mahlers, but um, so far, still hoping for Mahler 9. So is that money factor? I, I think just sometimes other ones fit into the season better. Or we did have it programmed for the pandemic year. That's, um, it was in there. But, um, and they want it to be appealing to the audience, and the audience in Reno probably likes Mahler 5 and Mahler 1. 
better than Mahler and Ryan, but it'd be good for them. And yeah. they can see me cry. Seriously. I mean, they can watch me cry. I mean, maybe they don't like it because they haven't heard it in yeah. Reno. Yep. Yeah. Well, I hope you get to do it. Yeah, me too. Um. So, do you have any uh, like advice for young people that want to be a musician? Hmm. I think there's always a way to make it work. Um, if you're flexible, right? I mean, if you have your heart set on, I'm going to be in the London Symphony, don't, don't do that. Because, but there's always a way to make it work in some way. Um, and it doesn't have to, you're not a failure if you didn't get into a big orchestra or a medium level orchestra or any orchestra. If you um, are focused on bringing joy to people with music. Um, there's music therapy, the teaching, all of that stuff. If you love music enough that you are willing to find a way that doesn't have to be, you know, performing in an orchestra. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Those things like music therapy and teaching, they're not because you failed as a performer. They're because you're bringing joy to people with music. And as long as you can keep sight of that, um, it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, not everyone has a, a talent for teaching or performing, right? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't do do one of those yeah and you can find you can find whatever your your passion is in it you know there it'll and sometimes like for me I, di I didn't find the passion for teaching as early as I did for performing it took a longer and I did look at it early on like in my early 20s as something that I would stop doing when I had more performing work but then I didn't want to stop um, as I get older I I as I get older, I get wiser and more, I think I get more generous and less about, um, hopefully less about myself. Um, the teaching is more of a generous thing, but I still have a long way to go. I'll be a great teacher by the time I'm 90. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think everyone wants a teacher that's not thinking about when they can stop teaching. <laughs> yeah, and also a teacher that's hoping that their students will get better than them. That's, you know, I, um, I always... I'm just waiting for a student to just like fly by me and just play circles around me. And that's some, um, I haven't had it happen with some of my like long-term students yet, but I've taught lessons to people that went on to just become superstars and I'm so happy for them. And um, I love when that happens. Yeah, I mean, it's like your kids, you feel good when they do things well, right? Yeah. And the relationship with a, a student it is a little bit parental yeah uh, with the private lessons sometimes you get to teach them all the way from kindergarten through high school and they'll come back and visit you on summer vacation it's pretty great so do you have anything uh, cool coming up um, July 1st there's a orchestra in town that's doing a side-by-side -side with students um, so I think every student will be paired with a professional player and they're um, one of the pieces programmed is Arvo Parts Fratres and I'm playing Fratres with that orchestra so I'm that's what I'm practicing right now and then 
late July, um, I'm playing in the Classical Tahoe Orchestra, and we're doing... Um, Is that your summer gig? Um, if I'm lucky, yeah. I, I love playing in that orchestra. Um, I think Brahms, too, this summer. And the Strauss concert stuck for Four Horns, which my daughter is super excited about because that's not something that get, gets programmed very often. Um, and then the Philharmonic next year is doing Mahler 5 and um, a lot of other cool stuff. So, yeah. So the chamber orchestra, like what kind of music do they play? Ooh, we're playing Mahler 4 in the chamber orchestra, the chamber orchestra version. <laughs> 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 um, one of my favorite things we played last season was the Telemann Don Quixote Suite because I got, you, you know this piece, right? I mean, only like the two violin version. Yeah, well, this was the chamber, and we got to, I got to be the, the stubborn donkey in the end, you know, and it was so fun because you're supposed to just play like you're a stubborn donkey, and um, yeah, that was, that was a fun program. Um, we've started doing more Baroque stuff. Our new music director is, he's even trying to find Baroque bows, and the last time I used a Baroque bow was when I played a concert with you. Um, so I have a lot to learn. He's bringing in someone, a Baroque specialist, to help us because we haven't done a lot of Baroque playing. Um, we did Beethoven Opus 95 chamber orchestra version a while ago. That was fun. Death in the Maiden we were supposed to do. Um, I'd like to try it again, although I'm, that's hard to pull off. With the whole orchestra? With a quartet, even you know anything, <laughs> it's just hard to pull off. But yeah, I, I, um, it'd be interesting to see what what we would do with it. Yeah, that's funny that you say baroque bows because I just did uh, Handel Solomon in Chicago with uh, this community choir my wife conducts, mm -hmm. and with a professional orchestra, and I hired everybody. But it was modern instruments, and uh, I sent out an email saying and. Uh, modern instruments, Baroque bows, and if you don't have one, it's 2023. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I need to get what the program you're saying, right? I mean, <laughs> I kind of think it's time. It's time. And, well, you live in Chicago, but Reno needs to catch up. Yeah. And that means I need to start it, I guess. Okay. Okay, Marty. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, is there anything you want to ask me? Um, why? Why do you um? Why do you keep playing? And what keeps you from becoming jaded? Because hmm. you definitely are not jaded. Definitely not. I I just like connecting with people. I like the feeling of of being alive more mm -hmm. than a normal day that I roll out of bed. Uh, I like uh, all the friendships I've made through music in all the different places and that it takes me. Um, I love to lose myself in, in the sound and I feel like I haven't stopped learning about music. I feel like I, I'm not, I think it's weird that people think they've mastered it. And I'm always having these like revelatory to me mm -hmm. kind of thoughts. Mm 
you know, my l most recent is that it, we're just making sounds. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. And you can make all kinds of sounds that people will just be fascinated by. Mm -hmm. And like you were talking about the donkey thing, like not every sound has to be like a perfect, beautiful tone. You know, if that's all you ever heard, it's, it gets a little boring. The last note of that piece, the annotation above the note said sour. <laughs> that was the best. I just saw that. I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Well, let's take a little break and okay. uh, then we'll come back and play something. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. Thank you. Thank you. 